Welcome to the Roadie Friday Podcast with your hosts, Darren Makins and Jose Escudero. Hello, hello. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great other than uh, oil spotting the fuck out of you. <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. Let's be fair. Let's be honest. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a... It happens. It's a day off. Uh, Jose, Nadia, <laughs> Nadia, Jose. Hey, Jose. Hey. Hey, Nadia. Uh, so this will actually be another episode where all three of us are ex-employees of Nonpoint. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you looked familiar. Uh, so, Nadi, where are you at right now? I am in Prague on a day off. Fuck yeah. How has it been? It's been great. It was a good day off. Um, it was chill. You know what? It's been super chill. So, Prague is a beautiful city. I was about to say, okay, so that, because my next question was going to be, was it one of those days off where you didn't leave your hotel room at all? Oh, no, I left. The minute we got here, we all went out and did um, Thai massages for an hour and a half, some dinner, walked around, and then came back. We've been hanging out. We have a bus call at like midnight. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Oh, my God. I had a question, and it went away. Jose, maybe I lied about the jet lag thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jet lag is very real. Yes, it is. Well, I, I was, I'm just starting to feel like a normal person after a, tw- after 20 hours worth of flights. Yeah. I, the, the panic that set in. So the flight, the flight from Australia landed in LAX. And as soon as I landed, I was notified that my flight to, to Philadelphia was canceled. And I just went, well, that's a fucking problem. But, uh, thankfully, uh, American automatically rebooked me. So then there was a flight to Vegas and then a Ve- uh, Vegas flight to Philadelphia. Oh, good. The, the sheer panic that I had, like, oh, well, I got to figure this out now. We've been worse places. LAX is actually not as bad for getting stuck. Uh, the, the only the only other time I've ever been in LAX was uh, this one time. The, the label that I work for had a band that was on tour that was Australian. And the flight landed. Their, their tour ended in L.A. Mm-hmm. And so the label flew me out to L.A. to grab the van to drive it back to Philadelphia. So that was the only other time I had been in LAX. And it was just like, I had to take a bus to get back to like some terminal. And like that whole experience scarred me just because like it was, it was relatively freshly out of COVID and they just packed the fuck out of this bus and just threw us in there like cattle. Oh, of course. Welcome to LA. (laughs) Oh, and it was hot too. It was like stupid hot. Yeah, but no humidity. Yeah, the, yeah. You don't have humidity. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. So uh, you're working. Uh, are you allowed to say who you're working for yeah. publicly? Yeah. Okay, so you're working for Ghost right now. Um, mm-hmm. And your job title is a production manager? Production coordinator. Production coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the listener that doesn't work in this industry, what exactly is a production coordinator? So I am right below the production manager. So the production manager will set up all production rentals, budgeting, quotes, uh, transport for gear, whether it's overseas. In this case, it was overseas. So he'll take care of all of that. I take care of mostly everything going on the production office day to day. 
So crew needs, band needs, transportation needs locally for the band and the crew. If the crew needs a runner or items to be, you know, purchased via a runner, I'll coordinate all of that. And I also work hand in hand with the dressing room coordinator and our catering specialist day to day. So you're the, you're basically the lifeline of this whole tour. Once we show up to a venue. Yes. <laughs> okay. So you would be the one that would like scope out all the dressing rooms and yes. like, as soon as everybody wakes up hungover and they're just like, where do I go and put my bags? Like you would hear dummies, you go up. over here. This is <laughs> the signs are already up first thing in the morning. There you go. Hell yeah. That's awesome. So you guys are like, uh, they're European. Do they, are they using their own gear over there? Or are they doing all rentals? Most of it's rentals. They're from Sweden originally. Most of the band, um, except for, I think, three members are from Sweden. Everyone else lives in the U.S. Yeah, and there's there's one member that I've worked with before. Uh, I won't reveal that publicly who it is, but <laughs> such a good dude. Um, and uh, yeah, we worked together on that on on that gig as well. But uh, but you you did it from a distance though. <laughs> you were you're you're also the tour manager for the band Filter, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe I believe you're our first tour manager on this show. So welcome oh, yay <laughs> i do i'm still with them like are you boots on the ground with them as well like you're going out and doing the freaks on parade tour and everything as of right now that's tentative because it looks like i may be with ghost for the rest of the year oh okay the the tentative word i like that mm-hmm. oh that's that's awesome seems like such a good gig so i guess give me your background how'd you get your, how'd you get your start in the industry I started 17 years ago at this point. Um, I just turned 34 a couple months ago, so I've been touring 17 years. I started in the Hollywood scene back in the early 2000s, going to shows. I had friends in middle school that were into like Manson, Slipknot, Mudvayne, you know, Gigi Allen and the Scumfucks, all those like, you know. Oh, yeah, Gigi Allen. And uh, I went to my first show at the Whiskey. It was, uh, I think it was Kitty. Wow. And I saw Kitty in uh, every time I played at the Whiskey for years. I would ditch school and be there from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. I was that fan that was just, you know, I would seeing them roll up in their van and watching them do sound check and hoping to get an autograph. You know, I was that kid when I was, you know, 13 and 14. Um, and eventually I started doing photography locally in the hollywood scene and it just grew from there i started getting in with like the labels and seeing the bands multiple times you know and becoming friends with them and really networking before the age of the internet you know you had to find ways to contact bands. you didn't have you know facebook groups where you can kind of just go and ask people you know who's out with this band you know can you hook me up like i had to do it like the old school way and oh yeah they did something right Because, I mean, I took a first tour was like a three-week tour up and down the coast of California. It was with a local L.A. band called Dark Sun. We had one CD and one shirt. (laughs) And we did three weeks semi-opening up with uh, As L.A. Dying. Okay. And then at the end of that tour, after the three weeks, As L.A. Dying's merch girl had to leave. So they asked me if I was interested in jumping on board. And then I never looked back. I jumped on their bus right off of our RV that we were in. And I've been touring on and off for 17 years at this point. I've moved up. Obviously, I don't do merch as much anymore because I can't really do that world anymore. But I moved up from, you know, merch to production to personal assistant work to tour managing and then production coordinator. No, I can imagine. It takes a certain... And I'm not saying you don't have it, but it it, it definitely takes a certain type of person to do merch. And... Mm-hmm. 
uh merch is the merch is probably the one person on a crew that like i have zero interest in doing the job just because you're like you're the first in and you're also the first out uh Mm -hmm. other than like a tour manager and that and your entire day you're working because you're counting in Mm -hmm. and then you're setting up the unless you have like local sellers or something like that but you're counting in and then you're setting up and then at the end of the night after everybody's gone and all of us roadies are like halfway to drunk town. You're still having to work mm-hmm. and you're like, I want to have a beer, but I still have work to do. You get forgotten about a lot. You can't leave the merch table. And so no one for like, no one remembers to ask if you're hungry or if they can watch it for you. So you can use the restroom for five minutes. You oh, know? Yeah. I not to toot my own horn, but back when I was, uh, working with nonpoint, our merch girl, like I did my best to like go by every once in a while and like, Yo, if you need to go do something, I'll I'll watch the for I'll watch this for five minutes. It'll it'll be cash only for five minutes. Yeah, I'm sure that was greatly appreciated though for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure I'm sure it was too. But um, and and the basic theme that that I've kind of tried to establish through here for people that are listening that want to start out in this industry is you have to grind it out in your local scene first. Is that what you're also telling me as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. Network uh, as much as you can network and start in your local scene i i I typically tell people to find a venue and work as a hand for a while um but i'm also i'm starting i'm starting to see the merch side of it and the value in becoming like a local seller for live nation that's that's another really good way in because then you're meeting you're meeting arena caliber acts that are coming through and uh, i guess that could kind of be a quicker way to bigger gigs but I would I, I would generally advise against that because I I truly believe like if you want to earn your real tiger stripes in touring you got to do the you got to do the gig where you're like parked behind a shitty club and you're wiping down wiping yourself down with baby wipes because the club doesn't have a shower yeah. like you have to do some of those tours before you yeah. can get the uh, shower every night and hotel room every night tour oh yeah we've all been there so we've we've covered it a little bit but like what exactly what does the day day-to-day operations of like a production coordinator look like like obviously you're the first one up at guess to say eight o'clock which sounds which sounds super early for us roadies but for like normal people they're just like you get to sleep in until eight but you know waking up at eight o'clock going in the venue scoping it out hanging sides like just walk me through your typical day so eight o'clock is sometimes like tomorrow i have a six o'clock load in for a festival um, here in Prague or two hours outside of Prague, but day to day would be wake up, uh, immediately walk inside, figure out where you're going. I usually find catering first. Cause I need a cup of coffee first. Of I'll meet with my production manager. He'll show me where the dressing rooms are. I will then, it varies from band to band, but with ghosts, it's very much centered around compounding and security because of their anonymity. So we're very yeah. big on building a compound any which way that we can. Like we will find keys to the doors at lock. We will shut everything down, pipe and drape. If we have to put newspaper on wall on um, doors that have windows on them, we'll do that, you know? And we have, I mean, we're a crew of like 60 some odd people traveling and there's nine in the band. So signage goes up immediately. I usually put up the dressing room signs for pick the rooms. So then once the trucks start getting dumped, you know, the hands know where things are going into each room. Uh, my production manager will set up the production office. I will do a walk back to the buses and start putting up signs to get to the dressing rooms for them, for the band. After that, once we set up production office, it's down to meeting my runners, 
giving them the runner list for the day or acquiring the runner list. Uh, crew laundry has to go out. That's a big thing for us because there's so many of us. So I make sure that, you know, we collect it all. Everyone has paid for their own bag. It gets sent out. The runners then will do that. The runner list, I'll send them out to do bus stock shopping as early as I can just to get it out of the way. I will delegate and maybe handle as much as I can with crew needs coming in. You know, if they have questions or they, they whatever, you know, issues they have for the day, we'll try to take care of it. If I can't take care of it, I can delegate it to the proper, you know, person, be it my tour manager or my production manager. And then the whole day basically consists of doing that repeatedly. You know, people always come into my office and need something or have a question or want something, whether it's our crew or the local staff as well. And I'll squeeze in catering every so often and some coffee breaks. But other than that, it's pretty much on my desk doing credentials, doing the guest list, uh, master tour adjustments, emails and advancing for future shows, et cetera, et cetera. All day. Sounds hella exciting. <laughs> it can be. We have a great crew and a great, you know, band. The band is great. I also, I do also have a little bit of experience in touring with anonymous members. So how is that like, and you said like pipe and drape and stuff like that, but what what are some of the challenges in having to tour with anonymous members? Because uh, I can share my experiences and then you can share or vice versa. You can, you can tell me some of your challenges and then I'll tell you some of the stuff that we had to go through. So people know who Tobias is and what he looks like. As of a couple of years yeah. ago, I think a couple of years ago, people in the band were allowed to say who they were, I believe. So there's two of them that there's two females, what we call them ghoulettes. Um, they were allowed to post photos and say that they were in ghosts. So those two aren't, you know, as anonymous as they were before. People love them. People know who they are. They've been in the band, I think, about five years. Okay. Um, we do have four other people. Can I do the math right? How many do we have? Four. There's four more that people don't know who they are. Actually, three more. One of them, the one that we both know, people know who he is for the most part. Um, but I, okay. won't, I will not say a name for that one. No, uh, of course not. But then there's three uh, new ones that people really don't know who they are at all. So the challenge is mostly is they don't hang out together as much, you know, they kind of blend in with the crew a little bit. So getting them on and off the bus and getting them into the venue kind of proves easy because there's so many people walking in and out. They kind of timed it. So they walk in with the crew throughout the day. I was day. about to say, do they have like, do they have shirts that say like ghost crew or something? I that wish wear? that would be easier. I mean, people, that's, that's what we of, did. you know, they don't, I don't think, Typically, when they walk in, people will try to take photos, but we lock everything down pretty well. Like if you're seen taking a photo or a video of anything, whether you're local or on board with us, like you will be kicked out. You will literally yeah, that's what... and we will actually have you unlock your phone and delete the images or the videos. Yeah, I've had to tattle on security guards as well, mm -hmm. like because especially during like sound check and stuff like that, I would see like I would just I would just kind of see this like off in the distance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the band that I work for, their management was right there. So you get on the radio. Hey, we got a photographer, uh, Section 204. Mm -hmm. And and instantly you just see like a security guard run away and go chase them down. Mm -hmm. People see them. They see them all the time because they carry in their luggage. So it's kind of obvious, but no one knows who they are. Right. No one knows their name. So it hasn't been leaked. So yet, I'm sure. Yeah, because um, show one of the 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 run that we just did mm -hmm. 
by like an hour after the show, Reddit had already figured out who the band members were. And it's based off of like, it was based off of tattoos and like body shapes. Mm-hmm. One of the persons that plays an instrument, their instrument is very, very unique. And so somebody was like, oh, that's this person because they play this guitar in this this body shape with this color. It doesn't exist anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, but but an hour after the show, they figured out the whole band. And so like that's that's just kind of the challenge that we faced on our end was like, well, they figured it out. Uh, we just, you know, now now we just got to keep it secret on our socials. We can't talk about it. If somebody asks, if somebody comments, uh Mm-hmm. I, I almost said the name of the band. If somebody comments like, how's the tour with so-and-so you just ignore it. You don't, you know, don't acknowledge it at all. And you know, that I, you know, that I'm a, you know, that I'm a bigger person and uh, like height wise, as well as I've got some, I was actually described on Reddit as a Husky American at one point because somebody, <laughs> somebody saw me at Starbucks and they asked me what I did with this band. And, you know, I gave the answer contractually. I'm not allowed to answer that. Uh, and so they were like, all right, cheers, have a good day. And then later on in Reddit, somebody pointed out that they spoke to a Husky American and like, I was incredibly insulted by that. Cause I was like, Husky, how dare you? But then, so, so the point that I was get, trying to get to with this was, uh, I was enlisted by security a few times to act like a human shield yeah. walking Ben, walking band members directly back to the bus. Like they would just walk directly behind me and like. Yeah, I don't know how I get stuck with that job, but that's 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 part of what I did. Husky American. That is the best. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's really hard, but we get it done. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, especially it's got to be easier on the uh, on most arena shows just because like you, you for for a lot of what I experienced over in Europe, they ha- a lot of the arenas had like underground garages or stuff like that. Something like that is super simple. You just post a security guard. Hey, nobody can come in unless they have this credential. Yeah, no problem. But then it's like the other shows where like, you know, the bus, there's one venue in particular where like the bus had the buses, even though it was an arena, uh, we weren't the headlining band. So the headlining band got all the nice spots. And then we had, uh, I think it was in Amsterdam. We had a spot like, half a mile away and we had to walk past a, so- a soccer stadium sorry football stadium that had a game going that day in mm-hmm. order to get to the dressing rooms so that was that was a nightmare yeah sounds about right wild we've had those we've had those where it was there was just no way around it but again people will see them and kind of deduce that it's a bandmate or a band member they don't know the names of these people i'd highly recommend crew shirts because that's what we did we just gave all the band members crew shirts and they just said band met uh almost said the name band band name crew and then uh they were the same crew shirts that we were all wearing so literally it was just like 20 people wearing the exact same shirt you couldn't figure out who was and we all uh, we all carried our luggage into the venue so you know you couldn't pick out who was and was not a member. By the way, this guy on Reddit tried to guess what my job was, and he got it incorrect. So it's on you, bud. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listening to all this is like so fascinating because I haven't worked with an anonymous band as of yet. So it's like it's really cool to listen to. Also, yeah, it's I've never worked with one that was anonymous, so this one is definitely like up there. With- well, this yeah. is. This is the first gig that I've ever worked for where I had to sign an NDA and a contract. Like all the other, all the other bands that I've ever worked for, I haven't really like actually physically. There's like an implied contract, mm-hmm. 
when you're working for a band and a lot of it is like you know what happens backstage stays backstage and you know there's there's we Jose and I host a podcast about the touring industry but there's there's a lot of stories that you aren't going to hear us tell uh, on 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 a public format like this but you know uh, but especially like this is the first one that was definitely like spelled out what you can and cannot talk about mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was the same with you yeah we did have to sign an NDA but ours was mostly no photos no videos no disclosing who they are etc so but yeah. not for more we're not you know we are allowed to say who we work for you know it's in my email signature yeah i i'm like i'm allowed uh, i'm a, i'm allowed to take whatever photos i want they were just like do not put it on social media if it's on social media you will be flown home within the hour mm-hmm. um but like i'm allowed like i'm allowed to put the band name that i worked for on my resume but that's literally about it Mm-hmm. So not on social media yeah it's not a- on social media not not at all so like all, and and the other thing about it is like i was not allowed to talk about where i've been until we already left so like i'm friends with i'm friends with both of you guys on social media uh if you saw me post a photo i already left mm-hmm. i don't post a whole lot so they don't have anything to worry about for me I don't check in. Yeah, any- yeah. Well, I don't. I don't check in like that just for like security purposes for my house because then they recognize that my my. But I guess I don't know. I guess I kind of fuck up there too because like you know if I'm posting a photo of me in Thailand or something, I'm clearly not at home. Mm-hmm. But even then, like my my social media for the most part is like kept private from the general public. Yeah. Hi, Jose. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I've been doing most of the talking here. No, you're fine. Um, so how much how much of the tour do you have left? We have two weeks left. Okay, so you guys are like right in the rhythm of it. Like things are getting done efficiently and you, you have it all figured out at this point, right? Oh, yeah. Two weeks left. All festivals from here on out. Who's the, uh, who's the opener for this one? We don't have an opener. It's just us. We had a couple in and out. So we had Hailstorm for, I think, five shows, uh. but they weren't all consecutive. Uh, we had the helicopter for four shows, and those were definitely not consecutive. And then we had Lucifer, and that one was for, I think, three or four shows, maybe more. And th- those were also not consecutive, so they were, like, here and there. Interesting. I'm wondering I'm, – I'm, I'm curious how the logistics of that work. Like, are they – if like if a band is opening but it's not consecutive, are they just on their own tour, but then, yeah. like, sometimes – okay. Mm-hmm. Like – I'm sure what I'm sure what happened is they booked those dates with you and then just booked a tour around that. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, there's another band. Fuck it, I'll say it. Ice Nine did the same thing with all the Metallica dates. Like mm-hmm. th- like Metallica is doing like every other weekend, and like Ice Nine was opening one of the two shows for that weekend. But like they just booked a whole tour, so they had like four European shows, I think, and then Ice Nine just did like a tour around that. Oh yeah. Like that, and uh, see, secret time. I'll cut this part out, but I. And we're back in. We just shared secrets, guys. I can't tell you anything about any more about that. Um, but yeah, are you doing all of Ghost stuff? Like within, like you, you said you're doing tentatively the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was, I was locked in for my gig tentatively for the year. And then and then plans changed and they're switching me out with somebody else. So now I'm available for the rest of the year. Uh, 
except for one week in July. Yeah, how long have you been with Ghost now? This is my first tour with them. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we started in May, middle of May. Yeah. Ask us, like, we had Jai on an episode, and he, he did a tour with Ghost uh, maybe a year ago now. Uh, wondering if you, if you had met. Mm-mm. If I if I didn't have my last gig, I'd probably be on the road with Nadia right now. But uh, but uh, oh, unfor- that's right. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I had to uh, I had to turn it down because of that gig because I thought it was going to be a long term thing. I'm looking for the long term thing right now. I've been doing a lot of fill in gigs, and I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward for something solid. And I thought I had it, but you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. Well, yeah, but that's okay. You never know. Things can always change. Yeah, yeah, of course. And actually, I was talking to one of the members of the band I was just working for, and I told him that I had to turn down Ghost in order to do the band that I was working for. And he just goes, oh, man, I would have burned that bridge, and I would have gone to work for Ghost. <laughs> They're great, man. They're honestly so great. I, 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 I hear nothing but good things. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're also the tour manager for... Uh, or Jesus Christ filter. I do that all the time. I do that all the time. So how, like, are you going to be filter. tour managing that filter? Yes. Are you going to be tour managing tour managing that from a distance or what's, what's the plan there? I don't know. I haven't discussed that with uh, John and Mark uh, on their management team. Um, I've got to jump on that conversation soon. I might be tour managing it remotely, but we always have um, someone physically on the ground. Uh, and that person's been Chris Hirschman. He's worked with. Yeah, Chris is great too. He's worked with John for years. Um, so he actually just did the last run that they had in the U.S. for like three weeks. So we advanced everything, and he was just boots on the ground, you know, the day to day kind of person. So it worked out great. Yeah, it was uh, when I when I did the uh, when I did the gig with them at that festival in uh, in Utah mm-hmm. and. and Chris was the guy that was like the boots on the ground. And I mean, I got along with him. Great. I thought he was fantastic. Oh, he's great. Um, fun fact. I almost worked for for this year. Um, uh, and so they gave me the list of dates. I'm like, no. It brought back memories. No. <laughs> it's brought back memories. Uh, the, like the, the fest that like, it was, it was, the, the show was f- fine. I mean, everything about that show went fine. That was in my control. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I mean, it was just like, it was just like an off-roading. Like I didn't, it, it was, it was a part, it wasn't a festival. It was a party mm-hmm. that just happened to hire f- as, as the, uh, as the entertainment. But it was just like a bunch of off-roading shit, you know? I know. And it was, yeah, it, you know. Mm-hmm. I saw the photos. I saw the videos. I heard the comments. I saw the chat. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, past past that. Um, fuck yeah! I'm excited for your year. Because um, I mean, Ghost seems like it's 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 a really good gig. Um, okay. Um, what are some of the challenges that you face in in what you do on a day to day basis? In Europe, I can speak mostly from experience out here in Europe. It's the language barrier. The language barrier when it comes to the simplest things such as band and crew laundry. Really? Mm-hmm. Apparently, like fluff and folds and just places that wash, dry, and fold your laundry and take it out of one bag and put it right back into that bag is just, it doesn't transfer well into most languages. So it always comes back either mixed up, some of it's missing, some of it's still soaking wet, or they just didn't do it, but they took the money. But they always take the money. Uh, I was spoiled on this last tour because 
the tour the tour that I did, uh, the headlining band brought out a washer and dryer. I would kill for one of those right now. I dread laundry. That all, yeah, that language barrier that all reminds me. Uh, I remember in Paris, mm-hmm. our PA, I think if I remember correctly, it might have been somebody's birthday and our PA tried to get a runner to get a cake. And the response from the runner after they came back hours later was, there's no cake in Paris. <laughs> no cake in, okay. <laughs> Bakery capital of the world. One of like the culinary capitals of the world doesn't have Oh cake. my God. Dude, when I was in Paris, like every single time I tried to order food on like Uber Eats or whatever, it got stolen. Every Ugh. like we were in Paris for like three days, and all three days my shit got stolen. Oh my god! I fucking I love Paris. It's such a beautiful city, but I fucking hate Paris. <laughs> it's a challenge. I never hear good things about Paris, but that's honestly my biggest challenge has been just like the language barrier when it comes to certain things. I guess I was just fortunate on the last tour then that uh, everybody that I've had to interact with spoke relative relatively decent english but the 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 headlining band they also like we used nobody local Mm -hmm. we brought our own catering we brought our own stage hands they had like three buses full of stage hands i want to do that they were and they were they were so great they were these like scrappy polish dudes that just Mm -hmm. like you know in 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 between like Like in they 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 worked on shifts, but then like in between shifts, they set up this like fight club behind the arenas, and they would just like wrestle all day. And it's just like like they were also like super young, like nineteen twenty year old dudes. So I was like, of course, that's like it's just full of testosterone. Like they got to get that stuff out. So oh, yeah. it was it was fun. It was it was pr- it was probably one of the more fun, fun tours I've ever been on, especially since it was my first European tour. It's Europe can be fun. It's just always a challenge when it comes to like day to day thing, like little things. But they seem little, but they're so not little. Like literally laundry. You know what I mean? But don't kill me. I have bus call in like four minutes. Oh, you're good. Um, we can actually. Right. Uh, why don't we make this one a two parter? We'll bring you That's back fine. on at some point. Oh, yeah, we can absolutely do that. Just send me a day and a time. Hell yeah, absolutely. Nadia, it was great having you on. Jose, I'm sorry. You guys. I'm, I'm sorry I, I, I dominated the conversation. Oh, oh, no, you're fine. Nope, we'll do a part but, two because uh, I don't want to miss my Dude, fuck yeah. Go get that. But yeah, don't get oil spotted. I know. They can't leave me, but still, I don't want to get yelled at. All right, Nadia, it was great talking to you. Take care of yourself, and I'll, I'll see you soon. I will. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Roadie Friday podcast. Have a question or an idea? Email us at roadiefridaypod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Theme music by Ricky Armolino. Editing and production by Darren Makins.